The Torah forbids one to have relations or to marry certain relatives of one's wife. For example, her mother, her daughter, her sister. And the Mishnah tells us that that only applies to one's real wife. Once he has married his wife and performed Kiddushin on her, once he's acquired her as a wife, that is when the prohibition sets in. However, if he had relations with a particular woman, but he didn't marry her, so he is still allowed to marry her mother and daughter and other relatives. Nusin al Nusa, one is allowed to marry the relatives of a woman who he forced to have relations with her, Vahamafuta, or a woman who he convinced to have relations with her. Since all he did with this woman was have relations with her, but never actually married her, he is still allowed to marry her relatives. Now, the prohibition of marrying the relatives of one's wife is not only for the marriage, that is even for just the relations. Once one has married a woman, he is now forbidden even to have relations outside of marriage with her relatives, and therefore her oines vamfata hanasua, one who forces a relative of the woman who he married, or if he just convinces the woman, the relative of the woman who he married, to have relations with him, even if he doesn't try and marry his, let's say, his wife's mother, he just has relations with her, chayev he is liable. In fact, the entire prohibition is to have relations with one's wife's relatives. Halachically, he's not able to marry her. The prohibition is not on marrying his wife's relatives, it is having relations with, with his wife's relatives. Alright, now since the prohibition only begins once he has married a woman, if one's father had relations with a particular woman, but didn't marry her. Now in general, it's forbidden to have relations with one's father's wife. That is one of the Arias in the Torah. But the Mishnah says, Nesi Odom Anusas Oviv and Mufutas Oviv. One is allowed to marry, and he is able to marry, the marriage will take hold. He can marry a woman who his father either forced to have relations, or just had relations with her outside of marriage. Anusas Benoi, a woman who a man's son forced to have relations. Mufutas Benoi, or a woman who he convinced to have relations and didn't force her. The point is, even though it's in general forbidden to marry, or to have relations with one's father's wife or one's son's wife. If the father or son only had relations and never married them, then it is permitted. However, Rabbi Yehuda says one is not able to marry the woman with whom his father had relations. And he learns this from a posuk which says, when we not reveal the garment of his father, according to most, that posuk is coming to teach that it's forbidden to marry the Shemaris Yovom of his father. However, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the interpretation of that posuk is that it is forbidden to marry a woman with whom his father had had relations. Mishnah base. When it comes to non-Jews, the Torah recognizes relations only via one's mother's side. So for example, if you have two brothers who are non-Jewish, and they are brothers, but only by their father's side. According to the Torah, they are not considered to be brothers. Only if they were born from the same woman, are they considered to be related. Now, the mitzvah of Yibam only applies to brothers from the father's side, which means that a woman who converts together with her children, so let's say she's got two sons, and they are full brothers, both from their father's side and from their mother's side. However, before they converted, halachically speaking, according to the Torah, they are considered to be related only from their mother's side. They're considered to be, in a way, half-brothers. The Torah does not recognize their relationship from their father's side. And therefore, even once they have converted, 
If one of them marries a woman and then dies without children, the brother would not do chalitza or yibum to the dead man's wife, since they are not considered to be brothers from the father's side. Now there's also an additional reason, and that is there's a rule, one who converts, it's as if he is reborn, and he's no longer related to anybody that he was related to before he converted. So either way, he's not considered to be his brother at all. So certainly there's not going to be an obligation of Yibum and Chalitza. And says the Mishnah, Even if the first brother was conceived, the pregnancy began whilst she was not Jewish, and then she converted, and by the time she gave birth, she was already in a state of holiness, she was already Jewish. The Hasheni and the second son, she began her pregnancy and gave birth after she was already Jewish. So if you think about it, she gave birth to two children after she had already converted. So in this case, the rule of Gershon Iskaya, Domi will not apply. They are still considered to be brothers from the mother's side. However, they're not considered to be brothers from the father's side, since that is dependent on the beginning of pregnancy, because the father is a part of bringing the children into the world only at the beginning of the pregnancy. So whether they are considered to be relatives on the father's side, that depends on the beginning of pregnancy, and since she became pregnant with the older brother before she was Jewish, so in terms of being related on the father's side, we go according to the rules for non-Jews, and therefore they are not considered to be brothers on the father's side. And in the mission of the same applies to a non-Jewish slave who is freed together with her children. The halacha is when a slave is freed, she automatically converts to become Jewish. So that would be, really be an identical case, and her sons would not be considered to be brothers, at least on the father's side, and therefore there would be no obligation of Yibum or Chalitza. Mishnah Gimel, Chomish Nashim, if there are five women, Shinis Oru Valdisehen, that their babies were mixed up. So we've got five women and five children, and we're not sure which child is the child of which woman. As well as that, each of the women do have another child, another son, who we are sure is the son of that woman. Be as it may, the babies who are mixed up and whose mothers are unknown, they grow up, they marry women, and all of those sons die. So we're now left with five Yevamais. They didn't have children, but we're not sure who is the brother of who. And therefore, out of doubt, each woman must receive Yibam Chalitza from all five of the surviving brothers. Now, obviously, no woman can receive more than one Yibam. So the Mishnah says, Arba'achotzen Four of the men, four of the Yuvamim, should perform Chalitza to one Yuvama, and then one of them, the fifth one, can perform Yibam with that Yuvama. And then, who was Shalosha? That man who did Yibum, as well as three other brothers, Cholten Lacheres, they should do Chalitza to the next woman along, and then a different brother can now do Yibum on that Yuvama. And they would do that five times, Nimtzu Arba Chalitzois, the Yibum Lacholachas Vachas. It emerges that every single Shemeris Yavam receives four Chalitzois and one Yibum. Now, technically speaking, one of the men could have done Yibum on all five women. Since they each come from a different husband, that's for sure. We're just not sure which one. 
he could perform yibum on all of them. One of them would be considered to be yibum, because indeed it, she would be his shemeris yavam, and the other four would just be considered regular marriages. However, the Mishnah says that this way is ideal, because at least this way there is a chance that the mitzvah of yibum was actually performed five times. Yibum is generally considered preferable to chalitza, and this way, for each shemeris yavam, there's a one in five chance that she actually ended up marrying her Yovam and the mitzvah of Yibam was performed. And the four chalitzas which she received were not actually chalitza. So this way there is a possibility, although it's definitely unlikely, there's a possibility that Yibam was performed five times, or a couple of times, two, three times, and therefore this is the ideal way to do it. However, technically speaking, one of the men could have done Yibam on all five women, and then one of those marriages would definitely be considered to be Yibam, because one of the women is certainly his Shemeris Yavam, and the other four would just be considered regular marriages. Of course, after she has received Chalitza from everybody else. Each Shemeres Yovah must receive Chalitza from four of the men before doing Yibum, because otherwise, if the one doing Yibum with her is not her Yovam, then she would end up violating the prohibition of marrying another man before receiving Chalitza from her Yovam. A woman whose child gets mixed up with her daughter-in-law's child. So if you look at the diagram for this Mishnah, Perek Yud Aleph Mishnah Dalad, it's a little bit of a complicated case. We have a mother, Sarah, who has two children, Reuven and Shimon, and her son, Reuven, marries Rochel. After that, Reuven and Rochel give birth to a son, Yitzchak. And so far, everything is known. Everybody knows Sarah has two sons, Reuven and Shimon. And Reuven and Rachel have one son, Yitzchak. After that, Reuven and Rachel give birth to another son. And Sarah also gives birth to another son. We'll call one of these sons Moshe, one of the sons Kolev. However, it's unknown which son is the son of Sarah and which son is the son of Rachel. And then Higdir al these mixed babies, Moshe and Kolev grow up, the Nosu Noshim, and they marry women. Moshe marries Yocheved, and Kolev marries Miriam. And then Vomesu, both Moshe and Kolev die. So there are two Yvomim over here. One is Yitzchak. He is a definite son of Reuven and Rochel, and one is Shimon, who is a definite son of Sarah, Sarah and Avraham, as shown on the diagram. Now, we're not going to be discussing Reuven. Let's assume that Reuven died. So we're left with two Yavomim and two Yavomais, but we're not sure who is the Yavom of which Shemeris Yavom. Says the Mishnah, B'nei HaKala, the sons or the son of the daughter-in-law Rochel, she is Avraham and Sarah's daughter-in-law, so her definite son Yitzchak Cholzim Lemiyadmin, he must do chalitza on both women, both Yocheved and Miriam, and he cannot do Yibum. The Mishnah is speaking in the plural, because it could be that there are more than one Yovam on each side. It could be Yitzchak has other brothers, but we're keeping it simple as if there was only one Yovam on each side. So Yitzchak should do chalitza to both Yocheved and Miriam, and he cannot do Yibum. Why? Because the woman who is not his Shomeris Yovam is an error towards him. If he does Yibum, there is a doubt whether he is doing Yibum indeed with his brother's wife, in which case it's considered Yibum, or it could be he's having relations with his father's brother's wife. The woman who is married to Sora's son is an erva towards Yitzchak, and therefore he cannot do Yibum, and will have to do Chalitza on both of them. On the other hand, of Nezakena, the definite child of the older woman, Sora, 
Now we're talking about Shimon. He can do either Chalitza or Yibum. If he wants to, he can even do Yibum on both of the women. Because the woman who is not his Shemeris Yavam is not an Erva towards him. Each woman is either his brother's wife, in which case it's considered real Yibum, or it's his brother's son's wife, the one married to Rachel's son, and that is not an Erva, and therefore he could do Yibum, he could marry both of them. What happens if Meswa Kasherim, which literally means the valid ones die, that means the definite sons die, so this time Shimon and Yitzchok die. So the mixed up ones, meaning Moshe and Kolev, they both must do Chalitza to the wife of the older woman's son, meaning to the wife of Shimon, because she is definitely an erva to one of them. She was fake Ashes Achiv. She is possibly his brother's wife, his Shemeris Yavam, the Ashes Achiv, but he's possibly his father's brother's wife. For the son of Rochel, Shimon's wife is an erva, his father's brother's wife. And since we're not sure which one is Rachel's um, son, so they both must do Chalitza of Neakala, but towards the wife of the daughter-in-law's son, meaning towards the wife of Yitzchak, one of them, either Moshe or Kolev, should do Chalitza, and then one of them is allowed to do Yibum. Why? Because for the son of Rachel, she's his brother's wife, so it will be a regular Yibum. And for the son of Sarah, she is his brother's son's wife. Ruven's son Yitzchak's wife, and that is not an erva, and therefore they could even do Yibum. But of course, they would need to, she would need to receive Chalitza first, because otherwise, if she ends up marrying the one who is not her Yavam, although it's a permitted marriage in terms of not being an erva, she is forbidden to marry until she receives Chalitza.